the Freed from the Real podcast is brought to you each week by PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and CapeFearGames.com. You can listen to us each week on PureMTGO.com, MTGOTraders.com, and MTGCast.com. Welcome to Free from the Real, episode 214. I'll be one of your hosts, AJ. With me as ever is the uh, inaudible Sebastian uh, Park. Hey everybody, you can hear me now. And the uh, inalienable Kia Soleil. Hey guys, how's it going? As ever, this is the Free from the Real podcast, bringing you all the news that's fit to listen to regarding the online game and stuff from the offline game which is of interest to us. Now, one thing which is of interest to everybody who's um, either ever played the game or wanted to uh, make something for it, Wizards have started up the next You Make the Card, the fourth iteration. Uh, For those of you who were around um, back when Scourge was in production, the first card of this ilk was Forgotten Ancient, um, which is a pretty much forgotten but still pretty powerful uh, card, especially in multiplayer. Uh, which is basically something which gets more powerful the more spells an opponent plays. The next card to be made was Crucible of Worlds, which is um, still a fairly high value staple, especially in Commander and in some modern decks. And Vanish into Memory, which frankly has. Well-named card. As yet, there's a poll on the Wizards website, which has... um, recently closed whilst they tabulate the results, which I presume they will reveal to us on uh, probably yesterday morning, as you hear this podcast, um, to reveal the type which this card will be, whether it's artifact, creature, enchantment, instant or sorcery, or land. Uh, Instant sorcery being one option at the present time. Uh, Planeswalker and tribal not not optional there, but uh, we shall see what happens with this. Yeah, I can't imagine... Trying to do a make you make the card with a planeswalker. Obviously, had they chosen, had they given the option of planeswalker, I think it would have won in a landslide. But as they say, you know, <laughs> creating a planeswalker as a community would be one of the most insanely frustrating processes imaginable. I would guess. It would be it would be, it would be like a five year old asking their mother for candy, basically. It's like nope, nope, no, 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 and uh, no. Yeah. Uh, Ask your father. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's a fun process for those of you that haven't been involved in the, in the past ones. Basically, once a week, they'll put a poll up and we will vote as a community on a section of the card. Um, obviously, the first place to start is what kind of card it is, and that, that is locked, and you should know what that is now. And then they'll move on to yep. you know things like um, color, if it's applicable, uh, casting cost, type, um, possible subtypes, if it's like a creature or something to that effect. Um, and then we'll, they'll build... Uh, the rest of the card, power and toughness, if it happens to be a creature. Um, but basically, it'll just come on like once a week and be able to vote. And you know, they do eventually become these uh, real cards that we use yep. in Magic, or in the case of Vanishing Memory, into memory, just you know, open in packs and forget about. It. Yes. So, um, gentlemen, did you have take the opportunity to vote on this? Uh, no, I, I don't feel comfortable voting on something like this. Yeah, I, I, I 
did, I think I voted for land, if I had to guess, because lands are just my favorite cards in Magic. Uh, oh, they're so great. All 43 of them in that one deck. Yeah. Uh, yep. I mean, just every time like, a set comes out, like they go to the spoilers, I'm like, where's the land? Where's the land? What are the lands we got? I went with uh, Artifact myself. Um, um, I tend to be fairly egalitarian in Outlook, and something which could be used in any kind of deck could be, uh, well, A, expensive, and B, uh, useful. And the last time we picked Artifact, it worked out pretty well, because the uh, Crucible World yeah. is a very important card at many points in Magic's history. Yes. Uh, Crucible of Worlds 2, you may play anything from your graveyard. Yeah, we did that once. It was called Yawgmoth's Will... And yeah, <laughs> yep. Not the best thing. No. <laughs> no. It's like the, the next card. The next card you see is like Yogmoth's like will and last testimony. <laughs> Yogmoth won't. You may not play cards. <laughs> like not. That was that. Not actually, just like I all caps right and bold. <laughs> like <laughs> ever. Yeah. No, not even Harkon. <laughs> Good stuff. No, but it's, it's fun, you know, and if you, you know, want your chance to try and influence the creation of a card, I'd just check in once a week and uh, go ahead and vote. And there's also Twitter hashtags to uh, discuss it on Twitter, of course. As you'd imagine. Right, moving on from that, um, think about all your um, close associates uh, who uh, play Magic at the professional level because Pro Tour Friends online PTQ schedule is up. Thank you. Yes. Hey, uh, yes, we have the, the PTQ schedule for Friends, which will take place in uh, Dublin, Ireland in October. Uh, there will be 16 nice. PTQs as usual. Um, looks like 12 of which will be standard constructed, running from uh, March 24th all the way through August 11th. And for the four that are not going to be standard, they will be limited events. The first of which is in April and will be Gate Crash. Then there is one in June, which will be Dragon's Maze. The final one will be Magic 2014 in August. And in the middle there, right in July, July 6th, we are going to have a Modern Masters Limited uh, PTQ. Woo! Yep. Although we do have confirmation that the um, rather more expensive Modern Masters boosters will be... Um, uh, that will increase the entry fee for the event for that one time from 30 tickets to 45. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that would make it the highest entry Magic tournament on Magic Online ever. Yep, I would think so. Yeah, 45 tickets to enter tournament, but you know, you get Modern Masters, uh, six Modern Masters boosters uh, to build the deck with. And then if you make it to the top eight, presumably you will do a Modern Masters draft. Does make you wonder what Modern Masters cards that, um, well, it remains to be seen what's going to be in that set, really. I mean, it's a set which seems primarily designed for uh, constructed and getting more constructed staples into the uh, uh, area. I mean, yeah, it'll, it'll be a, a, I imagine it to be basically a miniature cube style environment. I mean, you're going to be overrun with, you know, powerful, important cards from Modern. Obviously, there will be you know, role players and things of that sort designed to help balance limited. Um, but they'll all be modern legal and they'll all be more of the useful cards uh, in modern. I mean, right now, the only cards we know of that are in the set are Tarmogoyf and City of Brass. Um, 
two yeah. confirmed cards. Um, but yeah, it'll be it'll be quite the interesting format. Obviously, I hope we'll get more modern masters than just you and I imagine will. But a bit odd if that's the only release we get for it on Magic Online. It does seem quite an intriguing thing in terms of uh, offering a limited version of the format. Um, it remains to be seen how playable it will be and uh, how many limited staples would be worthwhile keeping on for constructed. Yeah, no, I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting, but there are, you know, there are still commons and uncommons that are important to modern that could use some reprints, you know, that will be applicable and limited, obviously. Um, you know, things like, uh, you know, Kitchen Finks and Path Exile, two cards that come to mind that are not rares, but are pretty expensive as uncommons that are playable. <coughs> Um, and they'll do really well in terms of balancing out the uh, the limited format. Yeah. Balancing out, quote unquote. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. There's 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 obviously cards that they can put in there that will fulfill it, and obviously there'll be some cards I think they have to put in there that are going to be modern legal, but there to ensure a quality limited environment. Because mm-hmm. um, don't forget, I mean, they're doing a Grand Prix with this format, so it has to be playable as a limited format. Um, you know, more so than like Masters Edition. Or Masters Edition 2. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Well, it remains to be seen what exactly you do with it. And we'll see that when it comes. But you can see it on the calendar there. Yeah, other than that, it's just the, the typical fanfare um, for the Pro Tour qualifiers. You play on them, you win, you get you know your invitation, a ton of... You get your challenge invitation. Yeah, and your 1,000 Planeswalker points. Your... Which I thought was new. When did that happen? That's a recent development now. They've added that... Uh, all PTQ winners will receive 1,000 Planeswalker points. Um, that's awesome. For online and real life. Uh, just You oh, win a PTQ, you get 1,000 points on top of whatever you would get for the PTQ. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, the uh, and for those of you who don't know, it's a challenge invitation. It's now structured a little bit differently, if you haven't checked in a while. Uh, it's now you're randomly paired against another Pro Tour uh, challenge winner. And you both, the winner or lose, you, win, you receive $1,000. Yeah, no more of the the sixteen man tournament. Like just to speed the process up and find a way to give you your thousand dollars to reimburse travel expenses. They they just pair you against someone. You play them. You each get a thousand bucks, and one of you gets nine more boosters than the other. I wonder if anybody will try and split that. <laughs> I, I would love if I. So I'm just I'm just saying if Kia and I were randomly paired together, so a lot of things would have to go right for that this to occur. I would definitely um, talk to Kia about mulliganing to zero and then playing out our games. <laughs> uh, funny story. A friend of mine, we actually did that in a, a mox tournament. Uh, we, <laughs> we, played, we were playing in a legacy win a mox tournament, and we ended up first and second. We played in the finals, and we mulled to zero because we had already you know, talked about um, a split beforehand. So, yeah, we mulled to zero and played out legacy <laughs> in the finals. That's great. <laughs> the closest I've come to that is um, on the final week of last week's of last month uh, last year's um, <laughs> achievements at the tribal weekend event was uh, one of the last ones was uh, win after mulling to three. So my opponent and I um, uh, thought, eh, it's the last two achievements we'll get. So uh, we mulled to three, played it out. He won that round, I won that match. So the uh, achievement was ticked off the list. Nice. I like the, I like the memory just stretch back here. They're like, oh, last week. No, I guess last month. No, it was last year. Yeah. 
But Tempus Fugit. Yeah, but very impressive winning on a multi three. Not easy. I guess a little easier when your opponent also mulligans the three. Yes. Uh, one way of guaranteeing um, such a thing. Very true. Okay. But yeah, uh, we posted the link there, so if you want to look at the online PTQ schedule, it is available to you. Mm-hmm. Looking at other Magic Online fun-related things, we have our next batch of promos that's been released. Starting after the downtime tomorrow, we will begin Season 4 of the Magic Online Championship Series. And the promo for Season 4 is going to be the Alternate Art Savannah from the MTGOQ. Nice. Very. Yeah. Pretty pretty sweet. It's got the you know the empty text box with just the swirly white and green... Uh, mana and then land force, force planes with the sweet new Savannah art uh, from the promos. Uh, from the cube, I mean. So that's a fun one. Um, and a good way to entice people to make an effort of the Moxies during a downtime because we don't have a pre release or release going on in that month, I would guess. Uh, really. Yep. To encourage people to play. So last month we did and we got the pre verdict. This month there's no big incentive to play, so they're giving you a dual land. All good. I wonder what it'll do to the price. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I'm not even sure where Savannah's at right now. It's just one of those cards you don't check up on very often. But yeah, that'll be important to monitor. I mean, but then again, look at the price of Force of Will after its promo. So. Yep. Now, an interesting thing for the um, Magic Online Player Rewards. Um, promos which will be available from the 27th of March for April uh, The they've chosen somebody out there as a Tolkien fan because they've chosen the two towers oh nice well played sir uh, Reliquary Tower with alternate art which looks rather pleasant and flavor text no less mm-hmm. um, will be the participation promo mm-hmm. And interestingly, the store promo will be Command Tower, a card only relevant to the Commander format. So the question is, which one is which tower? I think um, uh, probably Reliquary is Minas Morgul and Command is Minas Tirith. I'm going to have to agree with you on that. Yes, yes, you are. Uh, yeah, but I mean, pretty sweet. Uh, Reliquary Tower, you know, fun card. I like the art on it, but not whole lot of use <laughs> not anything else <laughs> yeah uh command tower on the other hand this is you know sweet art and a card like when it was announced as a judge promo people were kind of drooling over so it'll be nice to have that on magic online um, available yep everybody needs one yeah or three <laughs> you it's, it's magic Could online you literally you just need three you, you just need one literally <laughs> in formats where they have wastelands obviously <laughs> But you, it's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's really early in the morning for me. Let's just yes, say yes, it is. Said the person at 1 p.m. Yes. time of recording. <laughs> oh, those college kids. No comment. Yeah. All right. Uh, but yeah, store promos, you know, it's, so if you've forgotten to get that, that's 20 bucks spent on the store before tax and coupons and everything to get the regular 40 bucks to get the promo. So if you want that foil command tower, you know, wait until March 27th and then find 40 bucks to spend in the store and get your get your foil command tower on. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And a uh, final bit of news that we have is that uh, recently there was an, a Q&A session held um, with Ryan Spain, Sean, uh, Chris K, and Worth about the uh, beta, and they were taking questions for that. I believe it was about an hour long. I haven't actually gotten to replay it yet. Um, but that has been posted now that it's over, so you can watch the replay of it. There weren't a whole lot of comments from the community about it. The only one I saw is people criticizing Ryan for not catching the the rules issue where apparently if you play a card that has you name a specific card, you're legally only allowed to name cards legal in that format. Um, and there was some debate about that. Apparently Ryan said you could name any card, and that's why they were all listed there. But in the Universal Tournament rules, there's something about how if you're playing Modern and you play something that names a card, like Meddling Mage or something like that, Technically, you can only name a modern legal card. Like, I couldn't name Necropotence, for example. Um, so, Magic Online yeah, lets you cheat. To be fair, that was that. a lot of that actually has to do with, uh, for benefit for the player, actually. Uh, because what happened in the past was, I think there was, like, I think Zach Hill talks about it. Uh, people would name cards that weren't legal. In the, they, they named the specific card, couldn't figure out the exact name for it. Yeah. And they knew that there was a card that was legal to the format, and there was only one with that name. We couldn't do that in the past, and so that's uh, that's what's happening there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just a weird thing. And also, I mean, you know, it's never going to be perfectly identical. I know in real life, like, if you – I think there was a rule for a while. I don't know if it still exists. So where mm-hmm. basically if you could describe the card in enough detail, and you but you didn't know its name, that was legal. Like, so, for example, if I, you know, like, played Meddling Mage, I could say – it's that card that costs a two and a green that makes an elephant, and then you can flash it back to three and a green to make another elephant. If I couldn't remember the name, call the herd. Like that apparently was legal to get a judge over, and then if you described it well enough, that that would count. Um, yep. So it's it's. I mean, it's obviously an extreme corner case, and I mean, you know, unless you're playing in like Legacy where Cabal Therapy is legal, it doesn't come up very often. Um, <laughs> Cabal Therapy, your mom. <laughs> Or something dumb like that? Yeah. Well, actually, I mean, yeah, the one weird, problem with... weird things happen. I had, I remember playing in a Legacy tournament one time. My opponent played Cabal Therapy on me, and he meant to name Accumulated Knowledge, which, A, is, I think, a weird card to name with Cabal Therapy. That's what he wanted to do. But he said Ancestral Knowledge, and the judge apparently ruled because there is a card called Ancestral Knowledge from Weatherlight that that was what he named. And it was... Yeah, and so like, they don't do that anymore. It's basically the, um, the result of this change. Very weird. Well, it does, um, it does strike me as odd that um, with Call of a Herd, you can no longer name it by its abbreviation. Car. Because it would be the Planeswalker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you gotta you got to watch the changing things with that. But, I mean, obviously it's a it's a very, very minor issue. And, and obviously the other thing that comes to mind is I don't think much came out of this Q&A. If that's the biggest piece of news out of there is that we're discussing the minutiae of whether or not I should be able to name a card that's only legal in Legacy in a standard tournament where I get to name a card. So. Uh, but we'll be checking that out, uh, or at least I will, and then if you want to, the, the replay link is posted in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Right then. That uh, is the last news item we have, so let's move on to prices. And this week, we'll be addressing the wonderful world of Planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, Everything we just... Blood. Yeah, we looked back through time and, and dug up the price of every Planeswalker available on Magic Online. That's an easy card to have to do because there's only about 40 of them. So. Yep. 
One thing that um, surprises me, the first thing that jumps out is Tibble the Fiend-Blooded is worth two tickets, 30 cents. And that, frankly, is insultingly expensive <laughs> and is higher mm -hmm. than... Uh, no less than eight other planeswalkers. Yeah, he's worth more than any of the original five planeswalkers. Even though I think I mean, all of them saw more constructed play than he ever has at this point. <laughs> I mean, even in terms of mono red planeswalkers, would you rather have Chandra Nalar or Tybalt? And do I have to take one? <laughs> Can I just pass on both of them? <laughs> I suppose you could always go for Chandra Blaze, which is cheaper than which is. Why is Chandra Blaze more expensive than Chandra Nalar? Couldn't, couldn't really tell you. Um, Pridron maybe. Apparently, what... I've I've always got I've always been very confused about older cards, honestly. Yeah, it's it's a weird situation. I mean, and also just looking at uh, Zendikar, man, did they miss the mark on Planeswalkers back then? Um... Yeah, <laughs> there's a little bit of disparity there. <clears throat> Chandra Blaze is less than a ticket. Nissa Ravan is just under two. Sauron is just over two. Gideon is just over four. Sarkin the Mad is one and a half. And there's another planeswalker whose name escapes me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, the, for the block, there's there's one guy who did pretty well. Um, but yeah, just a rough time for, for planeswalkers. If I look at that, Jace the Mind Sculptor. One Jace the Mind Sculptor is worth more than a playset of all other planeswalkers in the block. That's <laughs> uh, hilarious. Sounds about right, yeah. honestly. Well, I mean, once upon a time, Gideon Command at a pretty high price tag, too, but not being in standard, just not, yeah. not good enough anymore. And then it got reprinted. And it was good back in the day. No, oh, absolutely it was. Um, a modern equivalent to it, and not modern the format, but modern in more recent magic. Liliana the Veil. I got it. It's a confusing term now. Yeah, Liliana the Veil really kicking butt and taking names uh, now. And it's up to over $40 uh, per Me. copy. So. And remember when we were talking about how it might have been a ripoff to buy a place up for $45? Yeah. <laughs> nope. <clears throat> no, yeah, that, I mean, she's she's good. Mm-hmm. Which makes her the second most expensive planeswalker. And the third place is a lot more contested. Yeah, I mean, so for third place, we have basically a competition between uh, Karn Liberated, Garrick Primal Hunter. And I suppose you have to include, like, Soren, Tamayo, and Jake the Ark. The other ones as well? Oh, no. And Garuk Primal Hunter. Yeah, Gar yeah. yeah Garuk. And Garuk Relentless are both doing well, just under 20 um, apiece. Yep. Uh, Khan Liberated is just over 20. Mm -hmm. Which just seems really weird to me. Um, yeah. a, he is a ridiculously powerful thing. I mean, I've, there's times where I was able to... Um, if you get him into play, he's basically kill this now or lose. No, that's because yeah, that's very true. It's just I feel like he's only playable in like one or two modern decks, and even then, at most, of like a two of, um, mm -hmm. from a set that was you know drafted as a triplet. Uh, 
it's still a pretty impactful card. And don't forget the impact on formats like Commander, where he's playable in any deck and has a massive ball presence. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, that can be an interesting political card in that situation. So. Yep. Because restart he gave a Commander? Oh boy. That's that's just mean. That ain't right. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, just interesting to look back and see where some of the planes, where they are now. Um, like the Child Stars, and see how some of them are doing. Chandra's got to be one of the most disappointing planeswalkers in Magic. Yeah, that's three versions now, and not one of them is over four tickets. Yeah, and and most of them are not over a dollar. So. Yeah, it's pretty sad, unfortunately. I mean, the thing is, like, you have to remember those were the they were they're the ones that she was like the the test, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was one of the original Planeswalkers, and none of those have held up over time. Uh, obviously, Baby Jace has seen some play here and there, and probably still will, but... And and Garrick was occasionally useful. Johnny had a brief moment in the sun. But Liliana and Chandra are the originals. Just, you know, five mana was really too much for their effects, and they didn't do enough to impact the board. Like, we've seen... We've seen five mana Planeswalkers be successful. Elspeth Sorrell was played a little bit in Standard for a while... Uh, we talked about Gideon Jura being very dominant for a time. And Jason Memory Adept has seen a little bit of play. But five is a really hard point for a Planeswalker to be successful. We've mostly seen the threes and the fours uh, do the most. What's also interesting is looking at the colors. Um, by far the most valuable Planeswalkers are blue followed by green. Uh, but red is just in the dust. Yeah, it's just really hard to make, you know, good red planeswalkers. And then even when you do, they don't stand the test of time. Like, Cost of the Hammer was awesome um, when he was in Standard, and it was like almost 20 tickets at one point in time because he was a really good mono-red planeswalker, but, you know, just as you get into stuck into older formats, it's harder for those pure red aggressive decks to be successful. Um, yeah. And if they are, they typically rely on ending the game as soon as possible. That's not in planeswalkers' plans most of the time. Yep. One of these days they'll figure it out. They're trying. You know, they 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 really tried to push the envelope with the two mana planeswalker. Unfortunately, just didn't do enough. Well, Tibble, if Tibble had been three mana, then maybe they could have made him not crap. <laughs> that's that's one way of putting it. Yeah. I mean, you can see a bit of backlash with Domri Raid, who is uh, partly red, partly green. It's so partly really good. <laughs> halfway between the sublime ridiculous and a good price. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised Gideon Champion of Justice is doing so badly in comparison there. Yeah. Admittedly, he doesn't have the whole uh, uh, come at me bro ability, but. Yeah, no. But even so, he's. There's, yeah, there's still time for him. He's still, you know, feeling things out, getting the feel for the format, and he, he does have a, uh, a block instructed pro tour coming up in May. That could be a good time for him to yeah. shine. Looking at him, he's one of the few planeswalkers who can increase their loyalty points with um, uh, doubling season. Because he gets loyalty points as a effect of the ability rather than the cost, then the ones he gets for his up arrow, for if your opponent's got more than one creature in play, would um, be doubled by doubling season. I thought doubling season doubled the the ability side too, and that's why they couldn't because re- they, they said they were going to reprint it in. Return to Ravnica, but then when they looked at the rules, they realized that now the Planeswalkers exist, doubling season would be insane broken standard. 
Doubling season is insane broken with planeswalkers because planeswalkers that come into play after it gets play have double their opening number of counters. Oh. But the yeah. but the up and down arrows because it doubles the amount of counters which an ability would put onto them. Being uh, increased number of counters via cost or reduced number of counters from the cost wouldn't have an impact on it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So he. Planeswalkers in general are super broken with doubling season, but Gideon specifically mega broken. Yes, yep. if you, if your opponent has a large number of creatures, say if he's got four out there, then Gideon Champion Justice's up arrow effect would put a grand total of nine counters on Gideon. Wait though, nice. so, so you're telling me with doubling season in play, I could cast Nicol Bolas and ultimate him in the same turn? I've done that. <laughs> Ooh. That's that's brutal. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Um, Planeswalkers and uh, uh, doubling season are sick broken. It's fun. Um, yeah, just looking at it really quickly, it seems like you can, you can ultimate about half of them if you play them with a doubling season in play, based on that. Yeah, and if you've got multiple doubling seasons in play, then hey, go to town. That's just bananas. Man, I think you would just. I think you might crash the server if you had multiple doubling seasons in play and you played Garuk Primal Hunter and ultimated ultimated him. There are some quite interesting effects you can um, do to the server. Um, people have worked out ways to convert every permanent on the battlefield into a doubling season. Um, and then multiply those. That's that's just scary. <laughs> and great fun, yes. Uh, for example, uh, if you have Microsoft Lattice in play, have a doubling season uh, with Khan's activated ability, um, the original Khan rather than the Planeswalker Khan, on it, and then say, um, cast uh, Kicked Rite of Replication on that, I think my computer might explode, is what would probably happen. Yes, especially if you then twin cast it. Ooh, that sounds dirty. That's just mean. That's just straight up mean. Yes. These things are pretty hypothetical and very rarely come up in non-commander games of magic. (laughs) And this is why we have commander. You're going (laughs) to slowly back away and not touch anything else in AJ's mad science lab here. (laughs) Um, and move along to our question of the week. Um, and our question this week is, what kind of card, or what card specifically, would you like to see the community make? Uh, AJ, do you have any any dreams for what you'd like to see the You Make the Card for become? I'm very open-minded. Um, I'd like to see uh, an engine card which can do some new and interesting things which we haven't really seen before or which we have seen before, but in a completely different way. Um, basically something you can get your teeth into and uh, break in a thousand interesting ways. Seems fun and interesting. Uh, Sebastian, any ideas? Yeah, I actually really want them to create fact or fiction or fact. <laughs> <laughs> Explain. I, I really want to see them like create a really cool card that like is a homage to an older card we have. So like uh-huh. something to the effect. So like you know like a you want to 
but and specifically fact or fiction gifts like given the style card or just like, uh, I mean, like, it doesn't have to be those cards those are just like i just love the pun and words you can like create with those cards yeah. right. uh, my, my thing was my thing was just like it seems like a lot of fun to me um so it's you know it's one of those like oh like i, I definitely agree like, I definitely agree it's one of those things where everything works out if you, like, have enough people who are, like, willing to do these things. So it's, you know, I don't want to say. Like, it's, it's, it just seems like something, like, I wish someone would, like, take the time to sit down and, like, really come up with a, uh, a mechanism to, like, really help us help out and understand the gaming. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically, sort of a homage, like, say, York Moth's Testament. Exactly, exactly. Like, something, like, that requires people to, like, have done the research to know what's what really it takes to make a card, basically. Yep. So, a look back to uh, the art house uh, film sets of uh, uh, Time Spiral, uh, Plane of Chaos, and Future Sight. Yep, yep. Sounds about right to me. Yeah, yeah but if, if not that, you know, anything that I can play in standard or modern. Like, I hope that's not too high of a bar. So, you want something playable in very competitive formats. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, one at 33% of the time so far, that's that's worked. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so that's a Johnny answer and a Spike answer. You going to go with Timmy, or are you happy with Spike? No, that's, yeah, I think I'm going to have to lean towards Spike. I mean, I, the, the two things I would like to see out of are either a land, like I said, that's what I voted for, and I love lands. I don't know what I want it to do, but some powerful, fun land. I just like the way that you can you know, lands allow you to get additional resources out of something that's typically not. Like, generally, you know, it's only for mana, but any other abilities lands have on there create additional bonuses uh, that let you do, you know, that eke out additional resources so that you can win games where you do get flooded sometimes. Um, uh, you know, obviously things like Kessig Wolf Run is a recent example of a card that's proved to be... Obviously, it just takes up a land spot, but... You know, late in the game, you've got 14, 15 lands in play and one creature. You're like, well, I'll attack you and make it a billion with trample. So just, you know, fun things like that that lands can do. Other than that, I would like some kind of cheap utility card advantage creating creature, a la the mm-hmm. um, invitational winner type cards. Um, that was one thing I always loved about those is you typically got some card advantage creating creature out of it, you know, when you look back at Dark Confidant, Snapcaster Mage, uh, Solemn Simulacrum, uh, all of those guys found ways to, you know, make cheap, efficient creatures that created card advantage. So, yes. I pick one of those. I believe two. it's yeah. I believe at some point, uh, a few um, uh, during the later years of the um, program, a few pros uh, started putting in parody and pastiche cards to take the mickey out of the fact that uh, pro players always look for card advantage. Yeah, I remember um, it's funny ones because they have to, you know, back at the invitation, you had to submit a card ahead of time. And Bob Marr, the year he won and eventually went on to create Dark Confidant, he had, the card he just submitted was called um, Grasp's Grasp, and it was a one green mana sorcery. Target player gets nine poison counters. Yes. So that doesn't create card advantage. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, win target game. Yeah, um, not not quite. It'd be like you know, super lightning bolt. One red target player takes seventeen damage, or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously. I believe. Yeah. 
I believe somebody named their card Greedzor's uh, Grasp or something of the sort. Um, and just, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, not everybody, not every uh, Pro Tour player has uh, made their card a massive source of advantage. They've tried, for, but they've all tried. Let's, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah, <laughs> no, but not all. I mean, uh, like Gary Wise, he, his, one of his cards that he submitted when he got to play was what we now know to be Chalice of the Void. Like, he had submitted that years yep. before that came out. And then they were like, oh, that's a cool card for an Invitational. Uh, let's just put it in the set. Yep. And they stuck it in there. And then there's Unlucky Man's Paradise, which uh, became uh, Gemstone Caverns, although the Exile card from your hand, the drawback, uh, did tend to uh, take away from its charms. Yeah, I really neutered that card. Oh, well. Uh, but yeah, if you have any Otherwise, other ideas or thoughts about what you'd like to see from the Unimix card, you know, let us know. Um, maybe we could find something to rally under and we can all push for that. See if we can influence mm-hmm. the vote. Okay. Well, I believe that'll kind of bring us to the end of the podcast here. Uh, AJ, what you been playing? I've been doing a Cloudstone Curio combo deck. Um, That's cool. Using uh, the non non alliterative um, uh, Zinky Beta with uh, Priest of Urabrask and Tormentor Exarch, uh, which, if you have another creature in play, uh, kills every other creature and then gives you um, an arbitrarily large thing to attack with. Or if you're using the uh, Starlight Sanctum Sacrifice Land, more commonly used in life decks to uh, sacrifice um, uh, clerics after the. combo of the core ability and one of the um, uh, whenever a creature gets targeted or cleric gets targeted by a ability it gets plus uh, zero plus two to sacrifice for ridiculous life this one with tormentor exarch you can sacrifice for the entirety of your opponent's life total yeah that's pretty good it, was, it took me a while to I was, I was trying to remember all these cards and piece them together as to what they did so I'm like alright so this makes you plus plus two yeah. and this one gives you a lot of red yeah. mana and yeah that's uh so yeah, that's pretty sweet. <laughs> of course, the other combo was using uh, Priest of um, Gix with uh, the um, Entuma Exarch, which strips every single card out of your opponent's hand and returns every creature from your graveyard to yours. Yeah, that's pretty good. Otherwise, you can just kind of generate infinite mana with Priest of Gix and a Priest of Urbasque or any combination of yep. two of those. <laughs> yep, that was also a possibility, or generate an infinite storm count just by uh, bouncing them back and forth. But I decided to go for something. Wait, let's face it. Has anybody ever tried to seriously kill anybody with infinite tormentor exarch recursion before? Mm, can, can I not answer that question? I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess no. Uh, if I have to, <laughs> if I had to guess, I'm gonna say no. Exactly. It did terribly though. <laughs> well, all right then. It did get a couple of game wins there. Yeah, you get to and if you get to pull off your combo stuff, that's always fun, right? That's, that's part of the fun. Mm-hmm. All right, Sebastian, uh, what about you? You been able to sneak any games in it? Yeah, I got to sneak a couple of games of standard and lost, but you know I'm gonna start prepping for these PTQs that are coming up. Kia, you free? <laughs> um, we will see. I mean, you, uh, this week would have been better. I was on spring break, although I had tons and tons of work to do, so. It was really just break from work so you can do other kinds of work. Uh, <laughs> exactly. I like to think about it. But, you know, I've, I've played a little bit of Magic in there. I continue to, to draft and 
and lose a lot of packs, but I've also continued to play standard and keeping my streak alive of getting 3-1 records with humans. I've now played some variation of humans to a 3-1 record about seven times now. Purposely losing rounds four every time to keep the streak going. That's the problem with streaks, man. That's the problem with streaks. <laughs> Actually, the problem is I've been I've been losing round one a lot. So basically, I just like put back myself into a corner and then just have to run the table. <laughs> I'll start the tournament, lose round one, but then rattle off three straight wins. So. But you know, it's been fun. I'll keep trying, and maybe I can get to that elusive four and zero oh one of these days. One of these days. I believe that's all we have uh, time for this week. So if you've got any questions, comments, or constructive criticism, or even massively destructive criticisms, then feel free to fire off an email to freedfromtherealmtgo at gmail.com. That's F-R-E-E-D-F-R-O-M-T-H-E-R-E-A-L-M-T-G-O at G-M-E-A-M-A-I-L dot C-O-M. That was rather specific. Um but yeah, you know, if you have anything for us, let us know. Be forewarned that deconstructive, destructive criticism will probably be met with ignoring or ridicule on this podcast. So just have one. Uh, I mean, if you have a, if you have any shred of cri- constructive criticism, we'll read. But if, if not, you know, what can we do? <laughs> yep. I suppose there's also deconstructive criticism, breaking down the nature of criticism itself. <laughs> please, please do not send us an essay on the, the concepts of criticism. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. All right. This is a problem with the Brits. They, they think too much. Yeah. All that. All this is problem with the Americans. The they don't. <laughs> yeah. I want to stick to America, where we just, you know, use short words. All right. Well, that will do it for this week's episode of the podcast. Um, I will, you know, see you guys next week and keep playing magic. All the rest. Until then. Have a good week, everybody.